Hey folks, welcome to episode 103 of the podcast. Seems like such a big number all of a sudden. This is the final episode for 2019. I'll be back in 2020 with new episodes starting uh, probably in the second week of January, depending on how lazy I am after the holidays. Uh, I also want to remind people that the uh, Patreon is uh, one of the things that really supports this process and makes it happen. It uh, facilitates creating transcriptions as a point of access for people who otherwise might not be able to get uh, access to this material. And of course, it supports me doing this work and uh, continuing to carve out the time, energy, and space to make that happen. Uh, as part of that, uh, you know, every episode going forward is going to come with extra content only for the Patreon supporters. Uh, Barbara and I recorded a, an extra nine-minute piece about fate and destiny and how to divine if fate and destiny is going on in your life around a specific issue. Uh, you know, it's a very practical piece that we didn't get into in the actual podcasts, uh, but we're sharing it with people on the Patreon. So if you are not already supporting the Patreon, maybe you want to jump over to patreon.com slash the hermit's lamp right this second, go sign up, go make a pledge. It, uh, it really does help. And, you know, as they say, it all adds up. It doesn't need to be a, a massive thing. Even a few dollars helps, although the exclusive material is available at the $5 level. All right. I've talked long enough. Here comes the show. Welcome to another episode of the Hermit's Lamp podcast. Uh, this week, I am catching up with Barbara Moore just before the end of the year for our annual podcast episode where we check in on what's going on, what's changed, and uh, you know, talk a lot about the shifting perspectives in our spiritual lives and practices and so on. Uh, you know, It's hard to imagine people don't know who you are, Barbara, um, certainly anyone in the tarot world, but for those who don't, who are you? Oh, I um, forgot about this part of the interview. Yes, um, my name is Barbara Moore. I've been playing with tarot for, I don't know, maybe 30 years now. Um, I'm probably best known for a couple of things. One, creating tarot decks and writing books to go with them, and a few standalone books as well. And I'm also the tarot acquisitions editor for Llewellyn, and I sometimes do some work for Los Garabeo as well. And I teach here and there. Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about with you was it seems like for me, everything's changed, you know, since our last podcast, uh, I have gotten divorced and my ex has moved out. Uh, I had a fire that burned down my store and I have since reopened and, you know, opened a studio to do see clients out of and opened a new store. And so for me, it's been a massive year of change, you know, um, perhaps unsurprisingly, if you follow the, uh, tarot birth card, year card business, as my death card just ended at the beginning of the month. Um, but it's also been a year of, um, uh, or at least a time of change for you too, right? Like you're also maybe not quite where I am on the other side of it, um, but really sort of 
setting in motion a bunch of change for yourself as well, right? That is absolutely true. Um, the cycle of change has, I'd say it started back in 2016, um, and it has ushered in a period of challenge and uh, becoming stronger and having things ripped away to find out what really matters. And as your listeners, if they've been listening to our conversations, know that two years ago I moved to California. My wife and I moved to California and we've been having a great adventure as well as a lot of challenges and struggles And we have recently come to the conclusion that this has been a really fun adventure and we're grateful that we had it, but it's time for the adventure to be over. And so we will be moving um, sometime this summer. So that is a really big change that we can talk about. It's not like having a store burned down or having a divorce, a relationship, a marriage end, Um, but our relationship also has gone through some struggles. Luckily came out the other end stronger and better, richer and deeper. Um, but it's still, we're both like two different people now. So it's almost like a new relationship because we're learning to be together in new ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, and one of the, one of the things that people always say is something like what you said whenever they start talking about their own thing they're like like it's not as bad as your situation or whatever right and i mean on the one hand yeah maybe right like i get that um but also i think it's i think it's really real how difficult struggle is for people right and you know, I mean, there is tragedy and loss and people dying and, all, you know, all those kinds of things that, you know, no joke are, are very difficult, right? Um, but I think that it's really important to not diminish our own struggles too, especially in the face of that, right? Like it's, it's there's no scale, there's no competition, you know, and, and maybe, maybe other people feel differently if they're in positions like mine, but... I actually feel like just relating around stuff is so much better than, than when it starts to kind of slide into, uh, you know, areas where it's like, well, it's not as bad as your life, but you know, whatever. And it's like, yeah, that doesn't feel so great. And now I feel like there's this sort of, uh, other element to it that isn't, doesn't need to be there, you know? So like a competition or something. Yeah. Competition or a sense of apology, you know? I mean, I feel like if if I know somebody well enough to talk about my life and their life, then we're we're on the same ground, right? You know, and everybody, I think everybody understands that some things are more difficult than others in some in, from a certain perspective, um, you know. But but either way, I think it's a uh, I think it's important to sort of just keep that relationship open, you know, and and not. I don't know, create that distance that sometimes comes with that for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really interesting point. Like how did we as a people start doing that? Because it really is habit. And I feel like it's a little bit like social behavior niceties because when I'm not talking publicly, (laughs) like in a podcast, 
I, I would talk about what I went through in terms of now that I'm through it and I can see the other side when I look back on it, it was so hard. I don't even know how I got up every day, you know? So to yeah. say to you, oh, it wasn't so bad when if I talked to you privately, I would be like, oh, my God, I don't know how I did that, you know? So you, mm-hmm. you are right. We are yeah. equal terms here. It's been hard. Yeah. You know, and life is difficult, right? You know, I mean, not all the time. Luckily, there's great things, you know. I mean, one of the things that was was interesting was being at the at the tail end of the summer and I was checking in with the kids just before they went back to school this year. And I'm like, how, how was your summer, right? And they were, they both gave it like rave reviews. And they're like, well, how was your summer, dad? And I was like, I'm like, you know, I'm going to give it an eight out of 10. And like those two missing points are because like relaunching the store during the summer was a ton of work and very stressful, you know, and like just dealing with all the stuff that came with that was very stressful. Um, and I was like, man, I do pretty good at having a good time despite all this, you know, horrible <laughs> stuff that's going on and all the stress that comes with it. Right. You know, um, but, but that also doesn't mean that there weren't days where I was like, oh my God, I have no idea. Is that just it? Is this, you know, am I done having a store? Is this over? Is that over? You know, it's, it's yeah, it's complicated. And when we lose that direction, right? I think it's, I think it's been challenging. And I think it's been a long time that you've been uh, sort of wrestling with this sense of direction, you know? I'm thinking about, we talked somewhere in one of the past episodes about probably before you move out there, right? When I did that impossible reading for you. And you were like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do all these things now. You know, it's been it's been a, quite a while in some ways, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have, especially in terms of my tarot career, well, in a lot of areas of my life, but in terms of my tarot career, I have felt really lost. So, so lost. And um, I and there are a lot of elements to that. Um one, uh, I should have wrote notes. Uh, one thing that changed is I wasn't working with Tarot for myself. Uh, well, I wasn't reading for other people either. I quit doing that a while ago for mostly because I didn't feel like I had enough to bring, to give. I wasn't, my cup wasn't full. I couldn't fill anyone else's cup. Um, and I, and I wasn't working with the cards for myself. So starting in January, I started pulling a card a day. Cause that's like, where do you tell beginners to start? And I would do it and I'd mark it in my daily, um, journal and, but I never did anything with them. And so finally, but it was enough. I mean, I had, all I had energy to do was that. And that was a start. I was touching my cards again and that mattered. Then when things started mm, taking an upturn, I added something like, okay, I want this daily draw to do something more than just get marked down in my book and mean nothing but use ink. Um, and so I decided to start pulling two cards a day and I was pu- and making them mean something. So the first card was um, some energy that I was going to find myself into that day, you know, whether it was something that happened or my attitude, something, just the energy of the day, something. And then with an eye to improving myself or becoming the person I want to be more than I am, 
I pulled another card. How can I interact with this energy to do that? And, and that has been super helpful. That's made a big difference and made things more active for me in terms of like doing something with the cards. So, you know, that's just a little thing, but it's made a big, big difference. I am so sorry about that. Um, and I, uh, also had been thinking a lot about like I had I've been questioning the whole doing readings thing right what do we do readings for what's the purpose or oh these mundane readings about our everyday problems oh how boring is that or is that even the right thing to do I mean just very angsty kind of pointless spinning my wheels questioning and then you know, I was thinking about we were going to talk and I thought I'd like to talk about that. And I had a kind of a revelation. I'm not sure if it's going to stick, but it's a thought that because I want to do readings about different things or in different ways or with a different focus, I had to denigrate those readings for some reason, you know, I think maybe it's human nature sometimes to make ourselves feel better or more confident. We have to put down something else for whatever reason. Um, and so even just that thought made me feel a lot better about things like, Oh, well, just because I don't want to do that. And just because I want to do this, that doesn't mean the other is bad. I don't have, you know what I'm, does that make any sense? Yeah. You know, maybe a year, two years ago, um, I was sitting doing my, my, you know, not daily draw, but regular draws. And I was like writing in my journal and I found myself writing something like, well, when I'm free, blah, 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 blah. Right. And Mm -hmm. And I, I, for whatever reason, on that day, as opposed to the various other days I'd written something similar, um, (laughs) I stopped and I looked at it and I was like, well, when when is that going to be and what does that look like, right? And I'm like, you know, at the time I was in an open relationship without a, a huge amount of limits on it. I mean, some, but not, you know, I'm like, it's pretty darn free. I'm like, you own your own store and you work for yourself. Like what, what is it that other people are defining for you or that are limiting for you? Right. And, you know, and the answer became pretty clear that it was very little, right? Not nothing, but very little, right. I still have to pay taxes. I still have to, you know, whatever, there are certain things, but, um, and, and I spent a lot of time sort of chewing on that for a while and realizing how, how often, um, movement change uh you know these ideas was sort of created on continuing to define myself in relationship to other things that actually had no sway or real say over my life right you know i mean if i if i decided you know i mean i'm a i'm a very fortune teller orientated card reader but if i decided that i had enough of that and all i wanted to do was psychological readings I could just change my website and filter people based on that and inform them when they tried to book that, you know, this was the process going forward and that would be it. Like there's, there wasn't a lot of um, things that prevented me from 
the various things that I was sort of waiting to become free enough to do. And so since then, I've spent a lot of time um, keeping my keeping my definition and directions in check, right? Like really looking at them and saying, okay, am I, am I defining this relationally? Am I in relationship with some idea that I'm not actually interested in or don't want to live by and so on, you know, and it's, uh, it's not always easy, but I think it's, it's really helpful, right. To sort of look at those pieces and say, you know, your practice has no bearing on day-to-day type questions, right? Your practice doesn't need to have any relationship to, the way I read or other people read or the, you know, the, the whims of the tarot community and, you know, this year, next year, or 10 years from now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Knowing what you want cleanly and being realistic about it and not just finding excuses that takes a lot of self-reflection and honesty, but will really make a big difference mm-hmm. in, in how you feel about your life in this moment. So how do you, how do you generate that self-reflection? You're talking about tarot as, as one part, your tarot practice this year. Um, how else do you talk? How else do you figure it? Because one of the things that I, I think is a, is a yeah, it's a bit of a theme, I think, with some episodes. It comes up in various places. But this idea of like, how do you know when you're done, right? How do you, how do you know when enough's enough? How do you notice that change, mark that change, you know, mm-hmm. and so on, right? Yeah. And I, like, if we could come up with a format, <laughs> a step-by-step format on how to get yourself to that spot, we could probably be millionaires because everyone wants to know that. I think um, because at least for me, I have not come up with a method that like walks me to the spot where I can step over the line out of, you know, the mists of confusion into clarity. I don't have that. Um, For me, it has been, um, it has felt like waking up Hmm. like, like I've been either asleep or underwater or walking through jello or something. And I don't realize it at the time for that. I mean, I know I don't feel right. I know I feel confused and unhappy and no energy, but I don't really fully understand that state of being asleep or underwater until I start coming out of it. And then I see it and then I start thinking I don't have to be that way anymore. Mm. And so when I can, it's like this pivotal point, this space where like a liminal space between what has been going on and what could be. And I have this opportunity to keep behaving the way I had been or changing the behavior But before that, I don't know that I could have changed the behavior. I don't know that I was in a place where I could have done that. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's this point where, or at least how it feels for me right now, is I can't wait to get started on the next phase. 
And I haven't had that excitement, energy, or enthusiasm in two years. So how, but how do I know? It's, it's vague. I don't have, well, maybe as we keep talking, I'll think of more concrete Uh things, but to start the conversation, it, that's what it feels like for Mm -hmm. me. What's it feel like for you? I mean, lately, so like in the last year, I've been um, noticing where I'm not putting energy that I officially think that I'm putting energy, right? Where where do I feel a difference between, um, you know, uh, something that I'm excited about? You know, it doesn't it doesn't make it difficult for me. It's not difficult for me to. Uh, uh, show up and make art in my studio. You know, making art is is great. I mean, it requires it requires having some time. Um, you know, and it, re- it requires you know, ideally not having sick kids at home or whatever, like certain things. Um, but it's pretty easy to to make that commitment. Um, you know, I've been sort of in and out of uh, relationship in terms of polyamory this year a bit. And one of the things that I noticed around some of that was where I was willing to uh, put in a certain kind of effort or show up in a certain way in one situation, but not in another, you know, and to me that starts to be like, okay, so if I'm, if I'm willing to make the the extra time or uh, hang out with them if they're sick or, you know, whatever, but with somebody else, I'm not feeling that as much then those kinds of decisions start to be little flags for me. It's like not necessarily that it's the end, but that something needs to change there, right? Or something has changed there. And I need to sort of look at that, right? And and I think that I don't know that we ever notice the moment, right? Like I don't know if there's a, you know, barring like really, you know, and then I said something and then they smacked me in the face and I said, we're done. Like, you know, unless it's like ridiculous and dramatic, um, which is, you know, never really in my life. Um, I don't think that we ever notice explicitly those moments. I think that we notice, we can notice when we're wobbling along that line and then we can sort of reflect and see what's coming or what makes sense from that point, you know? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, you're right. It's, it is hard at these things to pick a point as you said, and for most of it's probably more like a process, you know, that it takes some time. And, um, but sometimes even within that process, you can find like little mini points, you know, mm-hmm. like I remember, um, I remember admitting to myself because we had already started talking about how California wasn't right for us. Uh-huh. And so the next, the question was, where do we go next? Mm-hmm. Is the answer and Tijuana? The answer is not Tijuana. Okay. I um, found myself not being super excited about thinking about where to go next. Mm-hmm. I knew I didn't want to be here, didn't know where I want to go. So I kind of made myself think about that. And in that moment, I had this realization that hit me very hard. I want to go home. And that was hard to admit and hard to feel and hard to know because I knew it wasn't going to fly. 
for us, for us, my marriage, my, our family, our little, just the two of us were a family. Um, Cause we didn't want the winters. We, the winters in Minnesota are just too, too, too much. And we're not ready for that. Um, but just knowing that one of the things I learned during this adventure is my family and my Minnesota friends are very important to me, like more important to me than I knew before I left. Mm-hmm. And so that little, and that, so that was a mini like, you know, moment. And then like when I actually told Dylan that, that was another moment because it was scary to say that, you know, mm-hmm. or for me, because it was like, can't believe I'm going to say this. Because one fear was, what if she says, okay, let's go home. And then I'm stuck in Minnesota winter again. <laughs> um, but anyways, so yeah, the, these little mini moments of, of, you know, revelation. Oh, another thing that I have noticed, I don't know if you've had this too, but um, now that I feel like I'm being more honest with myself, that we're on, we have some, more clear direction on what the future is going to look like. Synchronicities are happening. Like I can barely like take a breath without something like helping me feel like I'm on the right path. You know, and I've heard people talk about that. Like, well, if you're looking for it, of course you're going to find it. Mm. Um, Some, you know, like cynics might say that and other people might say, well, yeah, that's a sign that you're on the right path. I don't know if I quite go that far because I'm not sure what I believe about the right path thing. Uh-huh. Um, fate and destiny, that's going to be a focus of study this coming year. I'm very excited about it. Well, you know, what's um, funny. I, I have those as a uh, uh, um, list uh, at the top of my list of, of things I want to follow up on in this conversation. Agency uh, force destiny and free will. So we can, we can set some, set some explorations on it in this conversation. And then, you know, a year from now we can report back as to where it's gotten. So, yeah. Absolutely. Totally. Yes. Um, right. So synchronicities, you know, they always, they, I find them comforting and encouraging. Mm-hmm. So whether they're actually real or not, it doesn't matter to me right now. I'm taking my comfort where I can get it sure. <laughs> and it's helping. So, and I think, think that, uh, first of all, I think, uh, you know, as, as the song says, uh, you know, whatever gets you through the night, like I think that finding comfort where we can is always, you know, as long as it's not, uh, too self-destructive, I think it's always a great move. Right. I think that, you know, this, this year of sort of, moving through the the fire and, and doing that has definitely been a, a year of um, more indulging and comfort oriented behavior than is usual for me. And I'm just like, you know what? Life is freaking hard right now. So I'm not going to worry about that too much. And I'm just going to, you know, lean into that wherever and whenever I need to, you know? So there's been, more naps, more ice cream, and more TV this year than would normally be a thing for me because sometimes that, you know, for me anyway, that's part of getting through these times, right? Um, I think that, you know, so synchronicities are a thing that I am very interested in, especially because it's often uh, touted as the explanation of how tarot works also, right? Right. You shuffle the cards and the universe 
synchro through synchronicity arranges them in a way that is meaningful. And, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of fine, fun and, and fine as an answer unless you try and like say, but, but what does synchronicity mean? How exactly does that function? And, you know, is there anything behind that? And then all of a sudden you just like slide into utter chaos of inexplicable mystery, right? And, and I think that that's fine. I, for me, I'm like, you know, mystery is the answer, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, tarot runs on mystery. That's, that's all we need to know about it. Exactly, exactly, right? Um, but so I think that synchronicity is, um, you know, lots of people um, are really into numerology and, you know, they're like, oh, I've, you know, like people come for a reading and they're like, I've been seeing lots of triple eight lately or triple this or triple. And I'm always like, that's cool. What does it mean? <laughs> and, you know, and then, and then they'll often say a thing followed by the question, which is usually, so when is that going to manifest? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and I, I don't mean this to make fun of people. Like I'm not at all. Right. Like absolutely. There are those moments where we're like, Oh, there's a sign. Okay. Where's the, where's the product? Right. Where's the, where's the actual outcome of that? So, and sort of more and more over time, I've been, I've been looking at what it is that I believe, how I approach things, and thinking about, um, you know, people always ask me, like, well, so what's the what's the astrology in the Orisha tradition, right? What's the astrology in your Orisha practice? And I'm like, there is none. It doesn't exist, right? It's not a part of it at all. There's no, no consideration given to it in any real sense. Um, there, there is notions around times of day a bit depending on what we're talking about and if you practice in a syncretized kind of way with the saints then maybe uh, certain orishas have uh their day right you know there were many people celebrate them extra um but there is no astrology and and i've been noticing this sort of um growing tension for me between like astrology, which I stopped reading this year and stepped away from and decided that I was uh, going to actively not engage anymore. Um, and that the, the way in which I was feeling stressed and tense around that stuff some, um, and the fact that it's not actually a part of my religious practice at all, right? And, and kind of the same with like some of the synchronicity stuff. You know, there have been times in my life where I was very intent um, on that kind of stuff and, you know, thought about it and wrote about it and had a bunch of experiences with it. And now there's basically only one symbol from the universe that I'm interested in. Well, there's a couple one, but the, the, the synchronous thing or the thing that I think fits this way is if I find a playing card on the street, then for me, that's a message and I will interpret the card based on my knowledge of reading them and we'll go from there. Right. The other thing that, that is synchronous, you know, from a certain perspective, but I see it as more directly as a message from spirit, um, which kind of has a different definition in my mind. So like (sighs) three months ago, maybe maybe a little less, um, 
I broke up with someone that I'd been with for a long time. We, we decided to change the nature of our relationship. Um, and, uh, it was very, uh, kind and very honest and, you know, and, and, the relationship has changed into a, a really good friendship, which is lovely. But about two days after I uh, that happened, I found a robin's nest on the ground with three dead eggs in it, like broken eggs, right? And I was like, everyone's like, oh, nests are so... I'm like, no, this was just sad and unpleasant, right? You know, and I was just like, yeah, that's 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 definitely acknowledging like the depth of the disruption that's happened here. And, and so, you know, I took, I picked up the nest and I I saved it and, you know, it's around still. And, and then maybe three weeks ago, two weeks ago, I was uh, walking through this laneway that I identify with a spirit that I work with a lot and uh, there was a pigeon on, like, sort of flopping around a bit with this, what looked like a, a branch wrapped around its neck. And I'm like, oh, how am I going to free this poor bird? Is it going to let me get close enough to liberate it? And as I got a little closer, uh, the bird, I realized, was actually holding on to the branch. It was not stuck by it. And it flew up. And it flew directly up over my head circled maybe like five feet above my head three times and literally dropped the branch into my hands. No. <laughs> and I was like, perfect. Now there's a new nest. Now I'm going to build something new. Now I'm, now I've moved on internally. I've moved on. Right. So to me, these are events that I take as, 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 as close to synchronous as people usually mean by that. Right. You know, direct message from somewhere else. Right. Um, and to me, they are clear and concrete and so on in a way that, you know, not to diminish anybody else's experience, but that those other kinds of symbols, um, I'm not sure what they mean, right? At least in my life, you know? And so, yeah. But also, you know, there have been plenty of time in my life where I'm like, oh, yeah, I saw that, I saw that number again. I'm on the right path. I'm on the right path. You know, and I think that that's fair too. Um, I think I just have a different relationship to it now and I have a different set of expectations maybe. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. I, that all makes sense. And I love the story about the pigeon. Oh my God. I'm still stuck on that. Um, (laughs) Anyways. um, Yeah. So synchronicity, like levels of synchronicity or is it synchronicity or is it a message from the divine? Are they two different things? Those are really great questions. I think I agree with you. I think there is a difference between them. Um, And like synchronicity, I mean, I think the actual definition of it is like two disconnected things that seem to have a connection And I think that we humans are the ones who give that connection or give that meaning. So um, maybe what, why it's comforting to me is because if I see something that brings to mind something else that's connected with what I'm doing at the time or going through or thinking about, it just helps remind me that's where my attention is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe it's just this, a way of like stoking the fire. Like, yes, this is what my intention is. This is what I want to think about, you know, but on a kind of more subtle level or something. Mm -hmm. 
and then, you know, messages from the divine men, I think are kind of different. Um, you mentioned finding the cards, um, playing specifically playing cards on the street is pretty funny. It reminds me of, um, Dylan has something that she has always called parking lot divination. And she started it when she was a uh, book cover designer at Llewellyn. Now, as you could imagine, the trash cans, the big garbage bins outside of Llewellyn sometimes would have cards in them for, mm. you know, if a, a package got damaged or whatever. Um, and so sometimes I guess they would blow around and she would always um, walk around the building, you know, for exercise every day. And so sometimes she would come across these random cards on the, you know, and she would always pick them up and they would, you know, she would read them as a divination. And she still does that to this day. And she finds a surprising number of playing cards just out on about in the streets. It's very strange. So, um, so yeah, yeah they're definitely and, around. Yeah. And the, the um, other thing that's funny is I almost never find a whole deck. A couple <laughs> times I have. Um, and yeah, and often I'll find them clustered for periods of time, you know? Like I will find different, different cards in different places for a couple months, and then I'll find nothing for six months. And then I'll mm-hmm. start finding them again, which is also, to me, interesting. Yeah. Huh. Um. I have a, another kind of a, a symbol story and, you know, does it mean something or does it mean nothing or did I give it meaning or whatever um, that it's a story I wanted to tell you, you know, any, at some point today anyways, cause it's very, yeah. it's very significant to me. Um, so, so, Okay, how to tell the story. Okay, so Dylan is not going to be here at Christmas. She's actually flying back to Minnesota for Christmas. So I'm going to be here alone, um, which is great because I have a whole, you know, personal retreat planned and ritual and all kinds of crazy, great stuff. Um, but because of that, we did our little personal celebration on Sunday. And, um, but we had agreed on no presents because of fit reasons. And, uh, but she said, but I do have one present that I actually started the process for it a few months ago. So there'll be the one present. I'm like, okay, I can, I, I can let you give me a present. No problem. Uh-huh. And, uh, um, so, well, so the backstory that you need to know to understand the present is when we got married, she gave me a necklace and it that suited me perfectly. It was, and it was meaningful. It was beautiful. We both loved it. And it was just, it was like a symbol, one of the many symbols of us. Uh-huh. And um, in May, we were, we were out at the coast. I was taking a watercolor class and we'd gone together and I brought the necklace, but I didn't, don't sleep in it. So I, you know, just take it off and I, you know, put it somewhere and Long story short, it got left in the hotel. And when we called the hotel, they're like, no, it's not in the room. It, you know, so I mourned that necklace. I cried. It felt, it felt symbolic. It felt like, oh my God, our marriage is, you know, it, it, it was just made me so sad because things had, had been hard. We're working through some things and, uh, I just took it as this horrible, horrible omen and it just 
broke my heart. And um, the company, we couldn't find, we couldn't find, it looked like the company didn't make the necklace anymore. So I couldn't even get a replacement and it was just horrible, horrible. Well, so Christmas comes present time. She gives me a, okay, so she brings me a card and a little, little present. And uh, I open the card and I start reading it and I start bawling because she's written some stuff that is breaking my heart in a good way. And she's like, well, since you're crying, hold on, we'll just keep going. And she goes in the other room and brings out a different package. And I start opening it and it's wrapped in this kind of a gift baggy thing that we've had for years and we only use it for very special gifts. Mm. And, uh, and I saw this sweet. It it is, it is. But we haven't used it in a number of years because you know, it hasn't been like that. And, uh, so she, I start opening it and then inside it is a bag from Arthur's Jewelers. Arthur's Jewelers is the jewelers in St. Paul where we got like our wedding rings from. And if we ever get like actual real jewelry, which we don't have a lot of, but we get it from them. And I, so I saw the bag and I'm like, she got me jewelry. What? And, and then all of a sudden I knew what was in that bag. And I have never ripped a package open so fast in my life. And it was the necklace and I saw it and I have, I cried like my soul was, I don't know what was going on, but I've only cried like that, like maybe three times in my life. Mm -hmm. And, um, it felt like a symbol, you know, like a sign, like, okay, like you lost it. You guys were in the, like the three days of death or the three days after death, like, you know, in, in, in the bowels of hell fighting the demon and now you're done. And now you, you know, you have the same, it's a new necklace, but it's the same necklace. So it's kind of like our marriage. It's in the same marriage, but it's a new marriage. And, it was hard won. And until I lost it, I didn't realize how much it meant to me. And, you know, so, um, I, I felt like the necklace was always symbolic. The loss of it was symbolic. The reacquiring of it was symbolic. So Mm. you know, that's another thing entirely, you know, was that divine? Was that something we, that I don't know. How did that happen? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that the answer is probably always really complex, right? You know, I mean, people, you know, people talk about like the fire, right? Me having the fire, and they're like, "Well, you know, maybe it happened for a reason, so you could whatever." And I'm always like, "I don't, I don't buy that answer at all," right? I mean, you know, that said, right? I think that. Like many things, I hold sort of contradictory ideas about it, right? And in myself, they seem fine to be contradictory, right? Uh, I know that, uh, you know, in some ways that the fire uh, must have been a part of my destiny in some sense because of the advice of the of, of the Orishas in the time around it, right? You know, we have this... Um, uh, kind of uh, source of negativity, which is uh, otanawa, which means uh, that which we brought with you from heaven, right? And sometimes it means sometimes it means that literally, 
maybe sometimes it stands for things that just can't be changed and we have to work through in one way or another. But, you know, this was, was part of my advice from the Orishas around that time. So I'm like, well, fair enough. Something was going on there in that regard. Um, but also like the idea that, um, you know, I talked about this, I think in the last episode too, with Chiron Armand, you know, the idea that we are always progressing towards other things or better things and so on. I don't necessarily believe that either. Right. I think that, um, you know, we can look at people's lives and see that that doesn't happen sometimes, right? Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Um, and the reasons for that are, you know, complex and, you know, and always a bit obscure as well, right? Why does, why does one experience sort of uh, break a person in a way that they don't recover from? And why does it, you know, uh, you know, just deeply bruise or wound or maybe not even apparently sort of injure another person, right? You know, there's, there's such a diversity amongst us all and, and why that is the case, right? But for me, I look at these situations and I think that it becomes a question of, um, what do we, what do, you know, there, there's, if we want to call it fate or whatever, those, those experiences that are beyond our apparent control, right? Or that are the, the unexpected byproduct of decisions that we have made, maybe in the case of a relationship, um, that might sort of give the appearance of fate, um, and might coincide with synchronicities, right? That moment when you lost the necklace and it cued you to, you know, all of the bigger changes that were going on, right? Um, and then there's the question of what do we do with it, right? You know, and I think that that is also, um, you know, such a big distinction, right? You know, and like me ending up in the situation that I'm in now, which is in many ways more ideal than the situation I was in with the store, you know, or where the store was at at the time of the fire, you know, on the one hand, yeah, that's, it's great that it's, that it's sort of working out really well. Um, but also there's a, there's a lot of it that's really, uh, was already in my two year plan. You know, like I was already thinking about these ideas and working on them. And so some of this transformation, you know, I'm just going to take credit for, by saying, you know, like, look, I had these ideas that because of the uh, concreteness of having the store, were going to take me a long time to make shift, that in some ways the fire uh, basically just liquidated my assets into cash and allowed me to transform it, you know, and applying it towards those plans, you know, there's that, that sort of balance of uh, agency, free will, and and the intersection of fate, right? Because I think that what we what we do when things happen is you know, is important and makes a big difference in that. You know, and I think that the more we uh cultivate a capacity to you know, to to make good decisions during those times, you know, the better that can go and so on, right? So anyway, I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but Oh, yeah. Well, as you say, these things get confusing to talk about. So, yeah, I think in, in so far as it can make sense, it totally makes sense. Um, <laughs> 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 um, 
But uh, and in kind of almost kind of connected with that is you know um, the idea of like judging something as good or bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, it's, it's and it's kind of connected with the idea. Oh, it happened for a reason. Well, I mean, first of all, almost everything does happen for a reason because cause and effect exists and, you know, so there was a reason, but I know people are talking about a grander reason than electrical faultiness or whatever. Um, so, but do, so things happen for a reason, May you know, they, things happen is what, what it is. And trying to judge whether they're good or bad. I mean, we want to do that because that's what we do. Cause we're binary beings, I guess, you know, like, Oh, that's good. That's bad. I mean, people always say is what they think, but you can't always tell if something's actually good or bad in the long run until time has passed, because there've been things that I went through that I wouldn't want to go through again, mm-hmm. but I'm glad they happened because then X, Y, Z happened. Not saying it happened for a reason, you know, like, because it, it didn't magically do anything. It also ties kind of into what you're saying, your own agency, your own preparedness, your own, you know, strength of will, whatever you want to say, you know, you can bring that to it and, and turn things around. But it's also one of the things that bothered me, puzzled me about these um you know, more everyday readings, you know, like people are like, well, you know, I'm thinking of taking this job. Should I take this job? And you, and you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, if I'm looking into the future, I'm not real comfortable looking more than six months out. I just don't. And, you know, so if I'm, you know, do a reading and it's like, well, yeah, the job says this, this, and this, and maybe some things they'd consider not good. And then they don't take it, but if they took it, then it would have led to X, Y, Z. So, you know, just, we don't always know. We think we know what we want in the short term. We think we know what our goals are. Oh, I want to manifest this. I want to do this. If the cards say it's all going to be positive, I think we lose something in that because not everything we do has to be completely positive or successful to be worthwhile or to be part of a larger journey that might be more worthwhile. Right. That makes sense. It does. I mean, I think that, I think that the question of like, you know, one of the questions that I've been thinking about for, for a while, specifically around, uh, you know, my work life is like, what's enough, Right. At what point? At what point am I successful enough? I mean, put it in really basic terms. At what point am I making enough money? And what what is it that I would like from going beyond that point? Right? You know. And I think that you know, working for yourself is not like kind of getting into a job description position that you like and just sort of being like, perfect. If I just stay in this job till I retire, that's great. Because working for yourself doesn't really work that way. And I'm not sure the economy works that way that much anymore anyway. But, you know, but I think that we have this sort of notions of uh, progress, um, of enlightenment, of, you know, all those kinds of ideas that are, you know, uh, cultural to capitalism and, you know, like cultural to North America and so on maybe that, that I think are questionable how helpful they are right you know like i don't i don't know that 
like mostly what I'm interested in is um, making art, making more art, making more art and (laughs) doing the things that supports that. Right. And, you know, uh, like I, I I love running the store. I love doing readings for people. Um, But I think that like the idea of it sort of going anywhere, I'm like, well, I don't know where, I don't know where it goes and what the definition of where it goes and what the grand plan is. I just want to, you know, do my practice, which is, you know, making art and reading cards to people and just continue to do that. And I think that, you know, that you're right, that uh, it's hard to say on a big arc of time what might be good or what might be difficult. Um, you know, like if we get in, if we take a job, maybe it's crummy for six months and then it's great after that and so on. Um but I also feel like the idea of persevering through stuff towards an outcome, I'm really uh, less and less interested in that these days. You know, if something, if something, if the exchange isn't good in the short term, then I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not really that interested in sort of engaging in that to get to a theoretically better long term, you know. And, and I think that I think a lot of people, especially around relationships, right, sort of work through, try and work through stuff, you know, uh, to get to, especially newer relationships, right? Like maybe if you've been with somebody for a while, as you have been, that you know, there's a there's a different math around, like, well, I was involved for this long, and so now I'm willing to commit a longer stretch of time to working on things. But but I think that for me, I'm like, I'm not that interested in working on very much these days in those kinds of ways, you know? And if something isn't flowing, I don't have the, I haven't seen the value of uh, spending the resilience and capacity on working hard at stuff that is difficult mm-hmm. towards... Um, accomplishing longer term goals without making a change. Right. You know, I think about it like, uh, Crowley talks about the strength card or the lust card, in his tarot deck. Right. And, and I think that he draws a distinction in his writing on it where he says that, uh, you know, lust is not the absence of effort, right? It's not the absence of exertion. It is the, uh, absence of noticing the exertion. Right. Mm -hmm. Or something along those lines. Right. And that idea that, you know, if we don't mind the work, then we're not going to notice it. Right. Right. And if we do mind the work, well, then maybe we need to, maybe that's one of those cues to make a change. Right. Yeah. That. Yeah. That's gorgeous. Um, And if you're following, like if that's kind of a guideline that you're following for your life, right now, as you were saying, then you probably wouldn't be doing readings on things so much because if you're like, I'm I'm going with how things feel now, Mm. you are attuned enough to yourself to know what you're, you know, so you probably would need less readings because you're paying attention to your energy and how you're feeling and what you're doing and the effort and the payoff. Is that uh, true or not true? That's true, true-ish. 
Um, I mean, I think that uh, there there are always uh, practical considerations that are difficult, right? You know, um, dealing dealing with insurance companies after having had a fire, it's like, man, nobody wants to insure you, right? It's like it's difficult, and so there are for me there are always practical questions. And, you know, questions along the lines of, is there anything that I can do to make this better, to make it happen? Especially because I have a very strong, practical, magical practice, right? Um, you know, so there are those kinds of questions. Um, but really, the question that I ask more often than not these days is either something along the lines of like, well, should I run my Tarot de Marseille class in January or should I run my uh, other course, right? Like very sort of strategic business kind of things. Um, or question, the, the question I go back to most of the time is um, how do I show up fully today? How do I show up fully in this situation, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and for me, that's uh, a question that I've kind of, come to answer by a sort of um, multi-step open-ended kind of practice, right? Like I, I don't, I no longer just kind of, if I'm going to read cards for myself in that way, uh, I don't like just draw a card or two cards to the answer. I'll usually draw, start with drawing a playing card, uh, checking in with uh, my guides and ancestors Drawing three uh, trumps from the from a Marseille deck, reading those in light of what's already been set in motion in the early part of the reading, and then um, drawing a, a card from my uh, Land of the Sacred Self Oracle that I self-published, and doing some writing on that, and then usually photographing that, and then drawing, doing drawing back into it and embellishing it further. And then at some point that feels finished. So like, that's the, the process that I do when I do that stuff. And, you know, it's all, if you, if people were to look at it, which I'm not going to share it anywhere, but anyway, um, if people were to look at it, you'd be like, wow, I don't know what sense this makes a lot of the time (laughs) because a lot of it is very nonlinear and very, you know, uh, like a lot of channeled reading, writing, you know, like, and so on. But at the end of the process, I'm like, oh, now, now I'm aligned for the day. And now I know how I stay aligned for the day, you know, or for this project or whatever. Right. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Well, and yeah, that sounds like a, a good process. And I think like some, I've had heard people, you know, say, oh, I can't read for myself. And I think sometimes part of that um, is they don't, read for themselves the way they'd read for somebody else. Like they give themselves a short shrift, mm-hmm. you know, they won't go through the whole process mm-hmm. and just throw out the cards, look at them, go, ah, and then pick them up and put them away. You know, it's different. I think if you treat yourself as if you were how you would treat a client. For sure. And uh-huh. I think if you're going to read for yourself, um, around practical considerations, you just need to have a lot of discipline, Right. You know, for me, when I read for myself around practical considerations, uh, it's actually usually really short because I'm like, like, you know, 
whatever. The tower card says, this is a horrible idea. Don't go down this road. It's like, that's that's the end of the conversation. Just stop there. You know, because the more I talk about it, the more I might try and talk myself into it or think that I have agency where, where the tower says it doesn't, you know, and so on and so on. Right. So, but for me, yeah, it's like, you know, there's a a short list of of sort of core meaning that I would attribute to every card that if I'm going to read for myself, I'm going to hold hard to that no matter whether I like it or not, or whether it even makes sense or not to me and be like, all right, cards say that someone's going to really betray you here. Ten of swords. It's like, like, well, all right, let's not go there then. (laughs) Where else am I going to go instead? What else can I do? You know? Yeah. I think that's important too. When you, especially, well, like your first practice was more of a, um, internal deeper kind of a reading and now we're talking about practical readings and i think one of the reasons um we want to do a practical reading is because we want to bypass our head because we keep thinking about it and we keep justifying and we know we're justifying or making excuses and we know we're making excuses so you do this reading and keep it short and hold yourself to it it helps bypass all of that. But you're right. If you start thinking about it, like, well, the tower can be, you know, how we can sometimes spin things. Carl Carl Jung thinks of buildings as being a symbol of our ego and our persona in the world. Maybe I just need to change the way I approach this so that I have a different experience of this. And then I can learn and grow and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, still going to get hit by the lightning. Definitely don't like that. Thank you, but I'll pass. Right? Yeah. Or, or someone wants to know, oh, I started dating someone. How is it going to go? Five of Wands. Oh, it's going to be so exciting and fun. And, you know, it's like, well, what? one of the exercises I would give beginner um, students is for reading for themselves is, okay, before you do a reading, the question, you know, your question, and you know what answer you want, yeah. go through the deck and just like, if you don't already have the meanings like you have for reading for yourself, this is new people go through the deck and, you know, pull out the cards that you think would make that answer. Yeah. And then shuffle your card and make note of them Then shuffle your cards again and then do your reading. And then if, you know, the two of cups, 10 of cups, whatever doesn't come up, it can be like, well, okay, this isn't one of the answer cards. This is a different answer. And, yeah. It's a way to kind of discipline discipline yourself, which is what you said when we started. Sure. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, it's like, um, you know, I think that that approach is, uh, you know, really helpful for a lot of things, right? And especially for, um, you know, I mean, not everybody reads for, for everything, you know, um, but I do, right? Like I don't really have limits around what I'll read for, um, you know, for the most part. Um so like if someone's like, well, am I going to get pregnant, right? Am I going to conceive? Well, I have a short, short list of cards that answer yes to that, right? There's only like three or four of them, uh, depending on the deck I'm working with. Um, and if those cards don't show up, then I'm going to say the cards don't give you a solid yes, right? Yeah. And, you know, same with questions. People are like, am I cursed? I'm like, happens. Magic is real. I believe it, you know? But there's there's only a couple of cards in the deck that are going to answer affirmatively to to me around that, and my mm-hmm. expectation is that the 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 mystery will surface those cards so that the answer feels unequivocal, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that that's also a practice that is um, 
a bit hair raising when people are starting. But I think that, you know, as we talk about it, I realize how many different kinds of questions I have a very short list of cards that I would take as a solid answer to, you know, and I think that that's a, a really helpful way maybe to, to avoid feeling ambiguous about the readings that you're giving. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, maybe is there something else you want to add? I see you looking like you're going to, Yes, I, I, there, there's one, like I, I kind of said that um, I was going to be studying fate and destiny in the coming yeah. year. The, the other thing I'm looking forward to is over this past year, I've heard a couple of people refer to um, mythic living. Like I know what that means and, I'm, and I don't. And I've asked a couple of people, you know, well, what do you mean by that? And I haven't gotten, I was kept getting this idea that it was like, where you just live really big and loud and, you know, mythically legendary, you know, and, but I read something a couple weeks ago that made me think, okay, you got that wrong, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and what this blog said was, uh, it's, it's when you understand the mythic rhythms of life, things that happen, the mythic, um, well, anyways, you know what I mean? And when you understand them and when you can learn where you are in your life in terms of a mythic story Mm. or cycle, then you can learn how to live within that. Um, Have you ever heard anything like that? What do you think of that? I mean, Um, isn't isn't that what people feel about the hero's journey? Well, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so similar thing. I think, right? I mean, I've I've my own ideas about mythic stuff, but we'll save that for later or for another time, maybe. Um, but I think that um, I think that the the idea of sort of myths as true guides to our to our lives or as you know true models of experience. Um, uh, in the same way that I think of this sort of um, way in which people uh, sometimes default to astrology, um, and some, sometimes default to other ways of creating definition, um, I think there. I think that there is a value in them, and there are values in those stories. You know, and as a person who practices a religion that is based on. St- we could say it has a huge swath of it that's based on stories, right? Um, you know, nobody, nobody in my tradition would tell you, well, no, nobody with a solid grounding in reality would tell you uh, that, you know, as a child of Shango, I'm going to live the life, live the myths of Shango, right? You know, and, you know, and I think that this idea that, um that that sort of these myths define the arc of human experience right i think it's pretty questionable i think that there is truth in it right um you know like the the myth myth of parsifal which is so popular amongst you know western initiatory stuff right it's like there are pieces of that that are true and valuable and you see most people encounter in some way right like you know once the once the hero decides to go on their journey something arises to distract them 
right? You know, Kundry arrives to distract Percival from pursuing whatever, right? Um, mm-hmm. But the idea that every myth ends with, you know, oh, you were the person you were searching for all along and you had it with you the whole time. I don't think that's true at all, right? I see lots of people whose lives are are not that way, right? And, you know, and yet the the questions that arise from looking at that myth a bit, like what would what would distract you from your deeper commitment, right? In what ways are you not already acknowledging your gifts, you know, and so on, right? Like those those are powerful questions, but as sort of models for for sort of promoting everybody's experience, you know, it's like the hero's journey. I'm just kind of like, I'm like, yeah, maybe for some people, some of the time, but then we're back to this question of like agency and free will and how much does our expectation that that is the course that we're going to continue on then shape the course that we live afterwards. Right. And I think that, yeah. So, but, uh, yeah. So I think that that's a really, um, mixed bag of things, you know, for me, uh, you know, and, and probably because I did not come out of tarot from that sort of Angeles Aryan sort of archetypes of people, you know, uh, archetypes are what's behind tarot piece, but came from a sort of practical, magical and, and sort of ceremonial background into this stuff and then into a non-Western tradition religiously, I I always look at those pieces and I'm kind of like, yeah, I get it. I see it. Like I can see how you see it and I can see how it's there, but it's like what it's defined as seems overstated or, or incomplete in some way to me in a way that I've never been able to reconcile it or or kind of close the loop on it. So, Yeah. yeah. I guess that's why there's a lot of different approaches because yeah, some work for some people and some work for others. Exactly. Right. You know, and it's, of course, it's not to say that, you know, if people find value in that, then fantastic. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, please, please don't write me. I don't need to have this conversation again. I've had it so many times, um, you know, but <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not talking about talking about you, but like, but yeah, it's like, I've had many people, very smart people to convince me or, or want to have conversations around convincing me about it. I'm like, it's not my jam. I just, I just don't, I just don't jive with it. So we could just go talk about other things instead, right? Right. Or yeah, because that's not a really interesting conversation. Because trying to convince someone who has a, especially someone who has a perfectly workable system, <laughs> you know, then they're not like asking for advice or looking for a new way to to, to live or think. Yeah. Um, it's just evangelizing. And why do you, why just because you believe something is true? It, it the other person doesn't have to think it's true mm-hmm. that doesn't diminish its worth for you you know yeah. you don't everyone doesn't have to believe the same thing exactly so, you know what might be more interesting would be to say well let's talk about what i think and what you think and see if there are any parallels and maybe talk about where they differ and isn't that interesting and why is that mm-hmm. you know no for sure yeah i'm curious to hear what your explorations of uh, mythicness deliver to you bring to you over time though for sure i know i have a feeling that next year next fall our conversation is going to be super interesting i mean not that these haven't been but these have been personal and 
hard and important, but, um, and valuable. But I think, um, for next fall, we might, our, our listeners might, um, get a treat of something different. Or maybe they'll just get a, a lovely, what are we at now? Fourth helping, fifth helping of, you know, whatever this is, but yeah, we'll figure it out. Well, time will tell. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for making time again, Barbara. Thank I appreciate you. it as always. Yes, I did too. I love these conversations. Mm-hmm. Me too. All right, folks, maybe you're listening to this at some other time, but, uh, as the actual release of this is on the 27th of December, I'm going to say thank you all for an amazing 2019, despite all the tremendous drama and challenge in my life. Thank you all for the uh, ongoing success of this podcast. Uh, big thank you to all the Patreons who are out there helping make this happen. Uh, really, it's it's no joke. It's uh is it a point of motivation when I run into frustration that I know people are committed in return and, uh, really everybody, I wish you all, uh, the best in 2020. Uh, you know, may you, may you find what you're looking for. May you release what you don't need and may you find, uh, you know, happiness, stability and prosperity everywhere. 